My, oh, my. Can you believe it? Saturday already. Happy, happy weekend, my friends. Time for another fresh edition of the Bob Rose Rewind. It's been a busy week. Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek talking about back to school and, oh, a great internet warning for parents. Let's get to it right now. The Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Carl, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. The biggest news that is going to drive the liberal media crazy. Carl Zalek with Bob Rose. That's going to be even as bigger than the governor's <laughs> yeah. announcement. I, I like it. That's it. I like it. Wow. I love it. Man, he comes right out throwing fastballs, uh, <laughs> kind of like the Cal Ripken World Series you're having in Marion County. Man, you know, it is incredible. I got to go out there the other night and watch these young folks run um, and play and have a great time. This is the World Series. Cal Ripken, eight-year-old. Um, man, a bunch of folks from all over the uh, country, Alabama, um, up from uh, a couple other states. And, and then these guys uh, that came back from the Bahamas, too, this year. Wow, what a what a fun team to watch. And and we are just having a blast out there, and our kids are having a great time. The fields are in great condition. Our parks team is taking care of those. Um, and I think, man, when we looked at this, um, this not only is a great event for our community, but it's going to bring over $500,000 in economic impact to our community, uh, and we get to play some great baseball. So how cool is that? Well, it's sports tourism, and, and a lot of people are catching on to the value of that. And parents... They love it when the host community has some other things you can do as well. You know, like Marion County could go to the Springs and so many other oh, yeah. activities you could participate in. That makes it a win-win for the whole family and, uh, again, generates a lot of revenue. And then when they're done, you know, they pack up their stuff and they're out of here and you don't have to worry about <laughs> uh, educating them or policing them or anything else. So, so that's good. That's a win-win. Yep. And uh, next year, you're going to try to do it again? Yeah. So, I mean, we're hoping to continue this uh, World Series thing. Uh, the uh, 14-year-olds are on the uh, are on the schedule, so hopefully we can bring those folks right here to Marion County. And you're right. I mean, these kids were able to go out, spend a day at the Springs, uh, hit up Juniper, uh, down in Rainbow, do a little tubing, have some fun. Um, I think they're even going to be able to catch a Rays game while they're in town. Wow. Um, so it's a, it's a great experience. Uh, they'll be coming through Florida and, and really enjoying what what uh, what a Florida summer looks like. And boy, I'll tell you what, it doesn't get any better than anywhere else. Well, we, we can't look at the uh, the mercury to determine when uh, summer ends in Florida because <laughs> it's a never-ending summer. But it's marked by school returning right. into session. And when is that for Marion County? Uh, right here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I don't remember the exact date, so I'm sorry. I wow. homeschool my kids. Can you believe that? Well, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I do believe it. Nothing wrong with that. So they already started, Bob. They're, they're never out. They're never out. Well, that's probably true. I've Ma- I've Mama's seen, home. I've seen your kids. They are very pale. Mm. And you have to get them in the sunshine. Oh, I'm wow. kidding. I'm wow. kidding. All right. Tough crowd, Carl. Tough, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but for the great unwashed who have to put their kids in public schools, um, that is starting soon. But you've done some great stuff to support them. Uh, what is the bus brigade? Yeah, so the bus brigade is one of these things where Marion County commissioners contribute to the longstanding support of our education, uh, really trying to make sure that our for kids, listen, everybody knows that the first day of school, 
it can be a game changer. It can Ooh. it can set up your whole year. You can get bullied, and I mean, there's just so many things that happen. I don't know if you remember what it was like, you know, uh, remembering back in fourth and fifth grade, third grade, when you didn't have the right uh, character on your backpack or the right, you know, shoes on your feet. And I had I a mean, jacket that had the STP, STP on it. Remember that racer jacket, <laughs> nylon? Ooh. Oh, yeah. You that always was, had cool jackets. Wow. Uh, yeah. Come to think of it, yeah. You know, wow. look at that. It was it was it was ingrained ever since elementary school, huh? Right. Wow. Right. And and, and for. <laughs> parents especially when they're entering like kindergarten and first grade and stuff it's a little uh, stressful it's a little bit of a change but yeah. let's be honest once you boot those kids out the door the fun begins that's right so what we were able to do for the county commission and constitutional officers, we collected over 16,000 items for the kids, stuffed those backpacks, got them to the school uh, system, especially for our most needy uh, and our homeless and, and uh, children that are in those programs, and to make sure that uh, we were able to do that and participate in that. Our teams did a phenomenal job throughout all the departments of the county and, of course, in our constitutional officers. And so uh, don't forget, until August 7th, you can purchase qualifying school supplies in the state of Florida exempt. Uh, thanks to Governor DeSantis um, during the 2022 back-to-school tax holiday. you got to love that. Hey, and speaking of the kids, um, they, another thing that we didn't have when we were kids growing up, the Internet. Right. And that's the good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, we definitely have to deal with the ugly side of it and protect our kids. Absolutely. So check out, uh, in fact, if you've got Facebook, go to our Facebook page at Marion County, mine, uh, or the sheriffs. Uh, the sheriff and I te- are teaming up to really um, – bring this item to, to fruition and to, into the eye of the public because so many people are handing their kids devices, right? Um, yes, great. Now I can contact my kid. I can stay in communication. Those are all wonderful things for the technology. But remember, you are giving them an unleashed potential of being solicited by really bad folks too. And they um, pretend like they're really nice, friend, right. if, like they're your buddy or uh, a nice a girl and, and she's chatting you up and yep. It's not. It's and even behind a them. lot of it. Yeah. yeah, and our kids are falling for these things all the time, especially on these gaming platforms um, and and other ways that they communicate. So, listen, parents out there, please check out these videos and make sure that you just do one simple thing for me, please. Before your kids go to school, make sure every device they come in contact with, you have turned on and enabled the parental controls. They're easy videos to find. We have them online. Please enable your parental controls because so many people are getting these devices and they're not turning on those controls and your children have access to literally everything. Um, And it's changing the way their mental state goes and develops and and it's really harmful. So please make sure you do it. Yeah, well, look, we had embedded software where uh, we could uh, know exactly what the kids were communicating and we never told them that. And uh, it was a very helpful tool. It is. Yes, because you can deal with something that you see on the horizon that your kids don't, like a problem. That's what life's experience teaches you. And so they're great tools. They're out there. Use them. Yes, please, please. I mean, listen, we don't realize how many children are, are, are really susceptible to this thing. You know, when we were growing up, you had to go look for that stuff. You had to sneak something. You had to do, you know what I mean? You had to go to a friend's house or whatever else. The the ability to have all of these things infiltrate your phone in your personal space um, is is something that can be really scary. I mean, well, really, really. And, and unfortunately, uh, we're not going to go into today, but I mean, there have been some significant busts and abuse of children in our community and around the state and around our country, unfortunately, because of our children being susceptible. Uh, so parents, it's our job to make sure that they're protected. They're called predators for a reason, predatory behavior. Just think about that. 
Absolutely. Uh, it might make you think of animals, and that's fine, too. <laughs> uh, you've got a special coming up where you're waiving adoption and fees and stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the great thing about uh, our, 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 our services today is that, as you know, um, Marion County Animal Services is a no-kill shelter. But our house is packed right now, and we need a little help. Uh, so please, we're waiving all of the fees until August 31st. Uh, the county animal shelter is nearing capacity, so please come give us a hand and find your forever, uh, help one of these guys find their forever home. In addition to waiving these adoption fees, all redemption fees are also being waived for lost and found animals that are picked up by animal services, which is a value in itself of over $150. So it's a great opportunity. Make sure if you have lost, unfortunately, your pet, come pick them up. And if you want a forever home for one of these beautiful animals, please come down and see us today. And if you lost your pet because an alligator ate it, you've got uh, a remedy for that. Um, alligator hunting season? Oh. See what I, I did there? Wow. Yeah. Wow, that was good. That's why he's got his own show. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to drain the swamp. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, look, I love alligators. I mean, I, they're part of our ecosystem, but... Uh, the populations do need to be controlled, and through hunting, uh, that can be an important part of that. So you've got the uh, hunting permits that's coming out as the hunting season begins for alligators August 15th and ends on the 1st. And you limit how many uh, permits. Yeah, I'm sorry, November 1st. How many? Uh, so every year there are about ten thousand hunters that apply for about seven thousand permits, um, and the permits are granted to hunters through a lottery system. Uh, the cost to residents, of course, as always, is two hundred and seventy-two dollars. So if you want that gator permit, go get it. And the next time you're going to do a uh, state of the county address will be Spruce yep. Creek in Summerfield Tuesday. Yep, at nine uh, August 9th at one o'clock, and then you can uh, also check out any more of those. We have one more date in the villages, uh, and then we'll be producing something online. That is at marionfl.org forward slash soc state of the county. Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thanks for joining us. Don't go away. Coming up next, District Two City Commission Gainesville Ed Book is running. We'll talk about GRU, the downtown, and more next on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Happy Saturday and welcome. The Bob Rose Rewind continues this time with candidate for Gainesville City Commission District 2. Ed Book joins us, and you know the subject of GRU is going to come up. You're listening to the Bob Rose Rewind on 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Ed. How you doing? Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you very much for having me, uh, Bob and Greg. It's been some time since I've been on your show, and I think it was maybe pre-pandemic. And it was talking about some great things we were doing at the college at that time. That's right. We appreciate your service uh, uh, to the college. And now you might be taking on additional duties. Gainesville City Commission, uh, quite a gig. I, let's, the elephant in the room is the GRU uh, rate hikes that continue. Obviously can't control maybe the cost of energy to some extent, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? Um, there is. I thought you were actually going to give me like a softball to kind of start the, the radio show, but you wanted to get right, right in, down the middle. Right, right down in the middle. So the key, the key is I'm running for Gainesville City Commission District 2. People want to know where is District 2? West and Northwest Gainesville. But you represent everybody in the city and the utilities serve everybody. It's in the city. Um, the rates are high. 
We know that. This is, this is no surprise to anybody. And one of the key things I've supported all along um, since announcing candidacy in February was no more fee increases, no more utility transfer increases. We have to run our budget for the city like we run our household. Uh, as long as you can get uh, enough city commissioners to agree with you, that could happen. We had Ed Bilarski on the show, and he was the GRU general manager, so he knows the numbers pretty well. And he said that GRU profits about $20 million a year, but the city takes approximately $36 million. I'm no math major, but that doesn't add up, especially as the years go on. No, it doesn't. So the key is, if you continue to take more money from... For example, the utility, GRU, then what happens is it becomes difficult to borrow money. This is something I've studied quite a bit. Well, if it becomes difficult to borrow money, it costs us all more in the long run. So what we do now is going to impact us for the next 5, 10, 15, and 20 years. So we have to put a stop to that. So they call this the transfer fee that the city takes and puts in their own coffers from GRU. Uh, can the city get by you know, with a budget that will have far less millions of dollars in it? Well, there's, there's, there's really kind of two factors I think you're talking about, Bob, and one of them is that you have to determine what you're going to fund now that's absolutely essential. What are your core services? And still take care of those who are in poverty, those who are in need. You do not forget those who are most vulnerable in our population, but you start by supporting the core. So what's the core to me? Uh, the core to me is something like, this is a little unusual, I do believe good parks and recreation space is a core service because good business wants good park space. Those are not mutually exclusive. And then the second thing is on the utility side, you do have to prepare for reduced revenues over the next several years. The irony of our utility is as we get more energy efficient, revenues will go down. And the only way to grow those is having more people use the utilities. Yeah, I remember when they were telling us to conserve, conserve, conserve when I first came to Gainesville. So I did just that and the rates kept going up. And then I conserved more and got work done and got new air conditioners and all that. And then the rates went up again. And anyway, I'd eventually sell my house. So you say you have to budgetarily, the city has to look at decreased revenues based on this less energy consumption. Well, the city as a whole, but a utility, good company, a good utility company nowadays has to say, if we want to go to sustainable fuels and energy efficiency, we'll actually have less income. So that's, that's the great irony, as I mentioned about utilities. So do that. Prepare for sustainable fuels and reduce energy, but recognize also that means I have to be sharper and strategic about the way I manage my budget. Well, also a big part of, I would imagine, uh, municipal government would be you know, public safety issues. And when I think of that, I think of uh, law enforcement and I think of roads. Uh, where do you think Gainesville is in terms of those? If you had to give them, I don't know, a grade or where there can be improvement, I guess we'll start with law enforcement, then we'll go to roads. Okay, so obviously I'm in law enforcement. This is the one that, this is what I've done my entire life. I've been, uh, I worked with Gainesville Police for 26 and a half years. Now I've been at Santa Fe for 10 and a half. And these two organizations have done great with their public safety. And I have to say also, that the sky supports first responders has done that for years. So I very much appreciate that um, in that regard. Our so, pleasure. Um, law enforcement's big issue nationwide and local 
is that people are not going into that profession, and it is a profession. So you have to get the best, brightest recruits so that you're doing the best community policing you can. And that's a problem we're having with Gainesville Police, Alachua County Sheriffs, even Santa Fe College Police um, that I'm a member of. We do a fantastic job, but people are not moving into that profession like they were years ago. Well, you, you know that public opinion swings different ways, and there were many people holding high office that you know, uh, p- painted law enforcement in a, in a poor light. The media is part of that. They, they'll only tell you when a cop uh, does something horrible or terrible. We don't get the success story, so that's part of it. And recruiting is definitely down nationwide, so that's a huge challenge. Let's go on to roads. There's kind of a, you know, Gainesville has a reputation, kind of infamous. Let's take four lanes, make it into two or three. Uh, let's do one-way roads. Let's block roads off. Let's make it a walkable a community is some of the things they've said, which is very difficult if you have a family. What are your plans in terms of roads? Well, it's almost like you've kind of been studying some of the information I put out. So I talked about core services. Start with the things that you have to fund. One of the things you have to fund is good roads. You have to maintain your roads, improve them, and you have to also have great transportation corridors, which is kind of a a term that means you do have to have transportation options for all forms of transportation. Um, You know, I was doing some uh, door knocking and door walking as part of the campaign, and I walked through the Springtree neighborhood, which is in District 2. And Springtree, some of their roads are pockmarked, they have potholes, the curbs are degrading, and this is a residential neighborhood. And I thought, how did it get to that? And as I was knocking on doors, people were basically giving me the business about, what are you going to do? And I said, well, you have to start by supporting core services, roads and travel corridors, including, by the way, for bikes and transit and pedestrians and walkers is absolutely essential for us to have a good city. You know, what do you say to people that invest in owning businesses, let's say the downtown area, parking is an issue. Uh, Sometimes it is difficult and arduous even to get to downtown, not to mention trying to get across town. Is there anything, is there any help on the way? Uh, they, They keep removing parking spaces, the city does. Every time you transfer ownership, they'll take away a parking spot for businesses. How would you, uh, what's your take on that and how would you address it? Well, so isn't it interesting that two of our our, our biggest, most um, large and in-charge areas in the city and outside the city are actually outside the city? Celebration Point, I'm going to mention, is, is has lots of activity. And people are coming for business and restaurants and playgrounds and children. Well, we need to have that downtown. Um, downtown many, many years ago had a really good mix of business. You'd go into the daytime, maybe a restaurant, you go for lunch, and then at night you go to things like these free Friday events and music. Um, what you have to do is make sure it's convenient, it's accessible, it's easy, I want to get down there. You put any barrier to getting to an area where you move down a road into the center city, people are just going to go where it's easier to go. And and we don't want that, and I don't want that. Right, you're competing against other uh, venues, other places that people can go and spend their money. So sure for the are. economy of the city of Gainesville, I think it would be, it'd be important. Um, and I guess just the parking issue, again, is there anything you can do that you have ideas on that would help to remedy the parking situation? Yeah, so remember now, I work at Santa Fe College, and we're now basically in that downtown corridor. Santa Fe College just opened up the Blunt Hall. That's right. Uh, an unbelievable game changer for the city of Gainesville. Um, so if you want to talk, I don't know if we're... No, you're good. You're okay, good. good. So first thing, I would make the parking free. 
Now, people say, oh, you're going to affect revenues. The revenues you generate from parking in the core city is going to be offset by the very business that you're going to bring and the people that you're going to bring down there that are going to spend monies in other ways because they're going to enjoy getting down there. My goodness, that went by way too quick. Ed Book, he is a candidate for District 2 for Gainesville City Commission, and uh, we wish you the best. They need some folks that... uh Utilize common sense and logic. I I really appreciate you all having me on. I know you have a large, large um, uh, amount of population that listens to you, and so I hope that they'll consider me as a candidate. Ed Book, candidate for City Commission in Gainesville on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Steve Sweat. He's a Marion County School Board candidate. And we're going to address some serious issues, including poor performers. We'll do that next on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Happy, happy Saturday. Here we are again. Another beautiful day in North Central Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Bob Rose Rewind. Right now, we have candidate Steve Sweat, Marion County School Board. And their numbers have been dropping. There's some issues there. There's curriculum issues. Let's address those right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? Hey, hey, good morning, Bob. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Now, in general, I, I think that Marion County Schools have been, you know, considered pretty good. I guess let's get right down to it. What additional things can you do to try to make those schools even better? Well, they're they're not pretty good, Bob. They're, they rank 59 out of 69, so school digger, and, and we are at the bottom third, certainly. We're eight from the bottom in school achievement uh, measurement performance. We are not doing good. 44% of our children, when they were tested, did not read at grade level. We have a myriad of problems. It's a big school district with 43,000 children. So we're not doing well, but we have the potential to do well. I'm running for something, not against I'm running for the future, not the past. What do you think are some of the changes that you can make? And honestly, I had no idea they were performing that uh, that poorly. So tell me about this fresh focus and some concrete things you would do, whether it's uh, increase uh, reading times or would it be more homework or uh, what do you think will really help? I, I think, quite honestly, I think at the school board's responsibility is to manage, uh, give good oversight, good, give good leadership, uh, give the support needed uh, to the school staff that seems to be competent. Our new superintendent seems to be competent if given enough time, and I think they're on the right track. But they need to have a visionary leadership and not and, and promote positive change through positive leadership and good management skills. One of the things that comes up in topics regarding education is always uh, how do you get that lowest quartile uh, to perform? You know, the lower performing 25% has always been – a challenge. Do you have any new and fresh ideas of how to address that? Well, well, one of the things that, that I, I think we have to do is be realistic. Right now, it seems to me, and again, I am no educational expert. That's not my background. But to mainline every kid into the same classroom, whether they're English speaking as a second language, developmental skills, whatever grade level there are or achievement level, you can't put them all in one class because the gap is too big. So we need to realistically assess what we're trying to do in, in mainlining kids. 
I get the concept. And it goes back to giving the operational control, the decision-making, back to the school classroom teacher and not mandate policies that are unworkable from people that are far removed from it that it just sounds good. Let the teachers control the classroom in discipline and in, in how they teach their class and make the decisions out on the local level. How much parental involvement and school board involvement, along with the uh, the teachers and uh, and the principals, etc., um, who would who ultimately should be deciding what the curriculum should be? Well, again, uh, with, with historically we've relied on the experts of education, and every every field has its experts. There's nothing wrong with having professional staff, but one of the great weaknesses in every school system is parental involvement and oversight. You cannot get volunteers to overlook the textbooks. So it goes back to trust, and do we trust the people that are making the decisions on what our children learn? Parental involvement is one of the key issues, and it's just sorely lacking in all areas of our communities now. Marion County is no exception. Uh, The school board tries, but the communication cannot be one way from the school to the parents. The parents have to get involved, and they so far... That is a dismal, and it's, it's the reason private schools, parochial schools, and charter schools, every school that does fairly well has good parental involvement, and you cannot mandate that, Bob. Well, I know that, and, and that I can't argue against that either, that parents are the key, um, and they're even the key really to prepare the kids to enter the educational system. If they're not prepared, they fall behind. Uh, what would be part of your theory or what the school board could possibly do to get parents interested or exciting to teach their kids before they enter the public school system. And, and that's the great, I think that's going to be the great uh, uh, question that has to be answered. At what point is the parents, the nuclear family, or the family unit responsible? The first educator has always been the family. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the nation. So at what point are we going to usurp the authority of the nuclear family? Right now, many in Marion County are advocating for 3K, uh, paid 3K funded uh, for uh, three-year-olds. Are we going to take it down to two? I think we try to work with the family and let the family know how key they are, and the success of their child depends on early childhood development. And and if we're going to let the schools do it, that's what the communists did with their pioneer program and all the, the fascists and everything. They want their child as young as they can. We have to work to strengthen the nuclear family, and I know that's a tall task, but the school can only handle what they're given when this kid, and we do have 4K kindergarten now, 4K, and it's paid. So it's family strength, and that's the problem. That's the root of all learning is the family. Huge teacher shortages. I, I saw in both uh, Alachua County and in Marion County. If you uh, make it to the Marion County School Board District 3, if you win, um, what would you propose or do, if anything, can you impact or affect teacher pay? Um, because they're still very much on the, uh, the lower side compared to other states. Oh, yeah. And, and, and this is a nationwide problem and one of the sea level changes in our culture. It's not just Marion County or Alachua or Florida. Or you, you see where jobs are going vacant. We're 170 approximately certified teachers short in Marion County alone. Now, some of that is wages. Governor DeSantis mandated that the county waive the starting uh, teacher salary to 47500 That was great. 
but also we created a problem here that a, a teacher that's been here 10 years, even at the top of the scale, there's only about three or $4,000 different uh, for long jazz, you know, being there a longer time, seniority. It's, it's a morale problem. But also, pay is not the main thing. Teachers need to be appreciated, supported, validated, not only by the school system, but by the community. In my day, teachers were respected. When I met someone who said they were teachers, I said, that's great. You're a great person, and you are doing something good for the world. We have gotten away from that. We measure everything by money. But the teachers are willing. Teachers are teachers because it's, it, it's a vocation. It's something they want to do. We need to, we need to validate and appreciate them. It's more than money, and we're not doing that as a society or as a school district. Do you think we're spending too much time on uh, social studies type curriculum now uh, with all the woke stuff? And and then uh, are we spending enough time on uh, history, like American history? Oh, it's called social-emotional learning, okay? And this gets complicated, but basically in 2018, with part of the uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas bill, they mandated mental health teaching uh, in Florida schools. And, and most of the schools do a good job with it. When you get into this tricky area of social-emotional learning, it can be great if properly handled, and it can be a disaster. It can be education or indoctrination. But when it comes down to teaching our value system, our history, and the uniqueness and, and the greatness of America, we're doing a poor job. History is history. It's not just dull facts. It is why we're an exceptional nation, and we're based on Western civilization, and we need to teach Western physicians civilization foundational values so we can do better on that area and governor DeSantis is mandating which is sad that we have to civics and more uh, social studies and history uh, lessons emphasis and that's sad that it has to come from the government at the state level steve sweat uh, marion county school board district three he's running for that seat we appreciate your time on the bob rose show and we wish you luck thank you thank you for the opportunity and a great show thank you guys Steve Sweat, Marion County School Board candidate on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday. Don't go away. Coming up next, State Representative Chuck Clemens. Red flag laws and more on the way on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Happy Saturday. It's the Bob Rose Rewind as we continue this time with State Representative Chuck Clemens, now a candidate for District 22, and red flag laws came up. Let's address it right now on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Chuck. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I'm doing great, and it's an honor to be with you and Greg this morning. Did I say that right? Because the way it's redistricted, you're actually going for District 22. I am. Uh, redistricting is a process that happens once every 10 years based upon uh, population to keep uh, each of the districts relatively even in population count. And uh, we have done some redistricting where uh, Dixie County is now in Representative Jason Shoke's district. And everything got shipped down, so I kept uh, Gilchrist County. Uh, reduced a little bit of Alachua County, the southwest part, and then picked up uh, Levy County, which is a, a great a great district to, to be running in. 
So as you campaign, you, you've got a uh, track record to uh, to run on, and one of them was uh, the passage of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas bill, and, and that contained a couple of things. One was raising the age from 18 to 21 for, for people to be able to buy long guns, and then also red flag laws, which can be, I don't know, maybe too broad or confusing. Um, if you had to do it all over again, would you pass the same bill, uh, or would you make changes to it? Well, uh, you know, hindsight's always perfect. Uh, that was a very tumultuous times in Florida, you know, when, when the, the number of young people were killed, you know, by a, a terrible murderer. And, you know, the, the state was mourning, the, the, the nation was mourning. But, but you brought up uh, red flag laws. Uh, some people call them that. Uh, I, I would call them that, too. Uh, others call it extreme risk protection orders. Um, there's 17 states that have those. And let, let me point out to all the listeners that uh, August 5th, 2019, uh, President Donald J. Trump said that, you know, mil- mental illness and hatred pulled the trigger, and it's not the gun. And at, on that day, he said a red flag law enables those who have seen warning signs, and that's where it gets the red flag name, to seek a court order to intervene and temporarily prevent someone who is in crisis from having access to a firearm. So... Uh, you know, there's there's uh, the jury may be still out, but people that I respect, like Sheriff Grady Judd in Polk County, uh, Sheriff uh, Bob Gutierrez from Pinellas County and in and, and America, Sheriff, my, my good friend Bobby Schultz have all used this in the last three years. And it has uh, protected people and they believe it saved lives. Well, I, I mean, I trust the people uh, uh, that you just named. I trust their their judgment on this, but they are their law enforcement. Um, I'm worried if you don't have a sheriff that I believe is constitutionally sound to say a Bobby Schultz or a Grady Judd. Uh, what happens then? Are these laws broad enough to where they can be abused? I guess taken advantage of. I mean, we've heard the stories well, about my- Department of Children where you know just a neighbor calls because they don't like you and says you're beating your kids, and you could have to jump through an awful lot of hoops as a result of that, right? Well, I agree with you 100%, Bob. My biggest concern and what might keep me up at night is making sure that people's due process rights aren't infringed upon. They aren't infringed upon. Um, unlike uh, some of those other bills, uh, the, your neighbor can't, can't in, in fact, make a extreme risk protection order or red flag law happen. It has to come from uh, the sheriff or it has to come from the, the police chief. And it has to have uh, an audience of a judge that produces or gets to see uh, evidence. So, you know, listen, again, the, the jury's still out, but those people that I trust in law enforcement that are utilizing this tool, uh, mental illness is real. I mean, mental illness is real. And, we, you know, I'm, I'm a big person of faith, and I believe in, in uh, prayers and, 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 and hope, but that's not enough to stop people who are mentally ill, whether it's permanently ill or temporarily ill, from doing uh, terrible things to innocent people. All right, let's move on to the uh, FDOT and the uh, Turnpike extensions. Uh, I have to say there was really a a large amount of discontent, upset, uh, groundswell, whatever you want to call it. People were not in favor in most cases. My understanding is that uh, it came out today. I think the FDOT has officially said they're going to nix this. Um, do you know where we stand on that? What's your take overall when it comes to expanding on transportation in Florida? Well, I, I've had plenty of people uh, put a no toll road pledge under me and say, please sign this now, please sign this now, please sign this now. Um, 
Uh, I remember George H.W. Bush when he said, read my lips, no new taxes. And then what happened? Uh, my position is and always will be get the facts. I will read a bill before I vote to pass or, or, or vote to go against a bill. Um, I voted uh, three years ago for the FDOT budget. In that budget was a study. Uh, I voted uh, again every year to pass the FDOT budget. Individual legislators do not vote for or against an individual road project. Now, that being said, yes, there was tremendous outreach and upset people in the corridor, and I don't blame them. But what I tried to caution them was let's wait and let the play develop and let the study devour its um, uh, put their results out before we know exactly what we're against. And I was pleased yesterday and I put it I put it out on the Internet. And, of course, um, you know, there's a lot of unhappy people. Um, I have a political opponent who um, he didn't do this on principle. He did it on politics and, and basically had protesters out. Uh, in front of one of my fundraisers because he said I supported uh, the road. And that's not true. I didn't support the road. Um, So there's where we are. It's always a controversy. I'm happy that this is not going to happen, but I am very interested in making sure that our infrastructure in Florida has the capacity to deal with the influx or maybe the outflow of traffic during those natural disasters like hurricanes when we have to get people out of the state. I thought it was interesting that you harken back to George H. W. Bush and and the and the read my lips. It's funny because the way I see that in history is that I didn't have a problem with him saying it. I had the problem with the fact that he didn't stick by it. The statement itself didn't right. get him in trouble. The allowing taxes to be raised, the action is what got him in trouble, right? Absolutely. And so when people want you to make a commitment before you have all the facts, you'll find yourself exactly in the position uh, you may be forced into it because of of situations that you don't know about. So, you know, I'm going to be judicious and I'm going to do what a reasonable and prudent person would do. I'm going to wait and see what the alternatives are, the pros and the cons, and then listen to people at that point. Uh, The the conjuring of of fear and and fear mongering uh, has been pretty high on this one. And, look, I get it. Uh, you know, they don't want the, the road coming through their rural area. I don't either. But let's see how we're going to, uh, you know, build our infrastructure out to handle the capacity. And, and let's do that. Let's do that in a scientific way based upon all the facts. How does it change in the district and, and who you're going to represent? How does that change any of the issues uh, that you have to deal with? Well, Bob, uh, it's gotten a little better for me. Uh, you may know I've been uh, I've been under uh, water for three different terms. I've been in for since 2016. This is a Demo- was a Democrat plus a six percent, which means there's six percent more Democrats in District 21 than there were Republicans. Uh, redistricting has shuffled some things around. It is basically an even district now. So um, you know it, it's five or six points better for me. Um, I'm going to be the same uh, legislator, the same person that listens and represents uh, the rural areas. You know, I've, I've been endorsed by you know, America's Sheriff Bobby Schultz. Uh, I've been endorsed by Bobby McCallum, the Sheriff of Levy County, Florida Chamber, CFO Jimmy Patronus, you know, the police, the firefighters, um, all of those folks. And they've done that, Bob, because of the history I have and the votes that I've taken to support small businesses to support, support freedom in Florida and uh, basically help, you know, Governor DeSantis keep Florida free. 
That was State Representative Chuck Clemens on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thanks to all my guests, including Steve Sweat, running for school board in Marion County, Ed Book, running for city commission in Gainesville, and Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek started things off on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for supporting what we do. We appreciate it, and I invite you to tune in Monday morning, starting at 6 a.m. for the Bob Rose Show, along with Greg Cassidy, right here on 97.3 The Sky.